Welcome to News Over Brews, the only podcast that breaks down the best of this week's pop culture over a nice cold beer. Sponsored by PopBreak.com. I am your host and moderator, Al Manorino. Welcome back to News Over Brews. I'm your host, Al Manorino. With me, as always, my two best friends in the entire world, Ryan DeMarco. Oh, is that me? Yes. And Lucas Jones. Well, me too, I guess. Oh, I guess that makes two. What's going on, guys? Not much. Not much. I mean, <laughs> not, not much has changed. No, I mean, nothing important's really happened in the last four months, which is why we haven't really done a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nothing of consequence. Nothing. Nothing big. No. Nothing. No. Nothing in politics. No. Uh, sports. Not much. No? Don't watch sports. What about pop culture? Mm. I can't think of anything. Not really. Not really. Um, wow. A long time. Yeah. yeah. Nothing in our personal lives. Nope. None of us got any... Uh, nothing. N- nothing, no. really. Nothing, really. Nothing. nothing. <laughs> it's crazy. Wow. Should we Should we even do this one now? Probably. Is the, is, is I mean, this, will stuff happen? Is this will stuff happen? I already poured the beer. Is this even oh, okay. recording? I don't know. God, I hope so. I did press record. Ooh. So. Good call. Um, but since I poured the beer... Oh, yeah. Um, oh, beer. Before we get into all of the amazing things that have happened over the last four months, and there's a few, or, or not, apparently, <laughs> uh, Lucas, what are we drinking? Well, so uh, a little backstory on this beer. Um, I went to a beer event at a location uh, in a state. I don't want to disclose the name of the location because I don't know what the status of that whole thing is. But anyway, I went to an it event that be beer and cheeseburgers. And I was it's a served... constitutional mar- monarchy that you can't yeah. disclose. <laughs> I was I was p- given four different beers, and paired with them were four different versions of cheeseburgers, um, and also there was a grilled cheese and some soup and some mac and cheese and a beer float involved. Um, I died and was reborn in a meat tornado of epic proportions, <laughs> and I emerged from the other side with a raging bull amber lager from Bolero <laughs> Snort Brewery. Uh, 12-ounce bottle, 5% alcohol by volume. It's year-round for them, which is great. Uh, Raging Bull is contract brewed, but their office is based in... I just said it. You just said it. Butler, New Jersey. Butler, New Jersey, yeah. So High Point Brewing in Butler, New Jersey, contract brews this beer. I've heard of that. Um, Yes, you have. And (laughs) so I was so taken with this beer that I asked them if I could take one home, and they gave it to me to review. So... I told these guys that there's a very significant flavor that's here, but I wasn't going to tell them what it was. But it should be very easy for beer experts, so-called, like these two, to pick up on it. Is so, it, is it meat? It is. It is. There's there's a cheeseburger in this beer, burger? isn't there? There is no there is no burger in that beer. My clothes? Uh, no. <laughs> Couldn't be any further. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's really really good though. Uh, I like it. It's smooth. One of the, one of the smoothest amber lagers I've ever had. I had to think about what it was for a second. It's definitely loaded with some earthy materials. Yes. <laughs> um, Specifically, hops, yeast, and barley. Sure, it's not brewed with like grass-fed meat. Positive. Damn it. Really good though. All right. How about cage-free grass? Was it like done with that or? So this beer is the best way to describe it is think of a Yingling, 
Yes. Smooth out the edges, because we all know that Yingling can be a bit bready, can be a bit harsh sometimes, especially if you make the mistake of buying it in the bottle. Getting like a biscuity thing in this. Yes. Really? Like, yes, that Ooh. is correct, because it is a lager, and it shares a lot of flavor profile with, with Yingling. There's a little bit of a twist on this one. You'll, if you hold it up, you'll notice it has a slightly darker color. Um, if you flick the glass and get some vibrations and listen to the beer, you'll notice that it's it's kind of referring in a higher register. Mine just called me an asshole. Wow. <laughs> um, even, even the beer knows. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and the higher frequencies means that there's some darker notes in there. And uh, it's chocolate. It's yingling with the edges smoothed out by a little bit of chocolate malt and the sweetness and roastiness that it provides, which is actually is the earthiness that you're coming through. Mm. So it's a little bit of a sweeter yingling with, without, I think, the rough edges. For a, I think it's a, a, a lager for a wider audience. A lot of times we talk about, like, well, if you want to get somebody into a style, you have to kind of draw them in. If you want to get someone into IPAs, you're not going to give them Devil Dance or Triple IPA. Yeah, you're going to give them like a session IPA. So if you want to get somebody into lagers, amber lagers, because a lot of a lot of people who look at lagers and they say, "I don't want to drink that." Budweiser's a lager, and I don't like Budweiser. This is a great beer to find. Yeah, um, it's very good. Yeah, it's really very good. It's very smooth, very thin mouthfeel ish to the to it. It's very sessionable. Um. Is this readily available? It is. Um, they're kind of located more North Jersey stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, they contract brew, but they're looking to get their own place soon, uh, like some of us at this table. Uh, they're looking to move out and get their own place. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Other the guys, personal stuff that never happened. <laughs> correct. Yeah. The brewers were super nice. Um, they're great guys. And so I wanted to bring this over here to tell you guys about it. And any of you listening, if you find you know Raging Bull from Bolero Snort, it's got a bull with boxing gloves on the front of it. Definitely pick it up. You know, a lot of times we tend to review beers that are like crazy triple Russian Imperial Stouts aged in six types of barrels, and then the mango was left in it accidentally. Um, no, yeah, this is definitely like a nice, complex, um, I guarantee, because we had trouble with it, I guarantee you won't be able to pick out all of the flavors in it, all of the, the uh, ingredients, but it's like a nice, simple, easy drink to have. And uh, I like it. I like it, too. Thank you for bringing it. Uh, you're welcome. Really good. Um, I would definitely recommend this to someone who's <laughs> trying to get into lagers. This is like a... It was just a good beer. Yeah. Like, it was just like a solid beer. And it's not like one that's like, you know, um, like very aggressive when it comes to like the style and the taste. And like, you know, people are always weary of trying different craft beer because they're like oh i don't like that it tastes like you know it, it takes too hoppy or whatever um this is just like a really like clean cut dry like yeah. try it out i'm sure you're gonna enjoy it this is like those people that like doing butt stuff this is the easy gateway avenue into that great like, that's how i see it excellent so great point on, on that note um ryan what would you give this beer Ooh. Um, out of 10, I would give it a 7.5. Al? Uh, I'd also give it 8 butt stuffs out of 10. That's a lot of butt. I gave it an 8 out of 10 as well, and I'm going to stick to that. Um, nice thing about this beer, it tastes just as good when it's not ice cold. Sometimes lagers, they need mm. to be ice cold because you get some yeah, weird we off flavors. This, this was a little, a little warmer um, than it probably maybe should have been served, but as someone who had a cold and then has also had it probably around 55 degrees, it's just as good either way. I think when it's colder, you pick out a little more of the 
earthy chocolates, and if it's warmer, you pick out a little bit of the sweeter chocolates, but that's pretty much across the board. That's why you serve stouts and Belgians at higher temperatures, so you can pick up more of the, the sugary sweetness. What kind of burger did you have with this? This was paired with a pulled pork sandwich topped with apple sl- coleslaw, and the pulled pork was actually marinated in this beer. Ugh. Now, normally, the wow. pulled pork and the apple coleslaw comes on top of a 10-ounce hamburger, but they got rid of the hamburger because we also had to eat four other burgers. Jesus Christ. Um, now I'm really hungry. Do we have to keep podcasting? Uh, yes, we should, because oh. stuff actually happened. Uh, you guys did a thing. We, we all did, did a thing, yeah. Uh, I don't know, really. Where where do we start? Well, we might as well start with STCC. All right, cool. So, wow. Going on, going on, what, like two months ago almost? What? Last month? Yeah. <laughs> three weeks. <laughs> three weeks? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so three, yeah, I don't know, depending on when people hear this. Back in July, and four butt stuffs ago, we went to San Diego. Yes, we went to San Diego for the first time ever. Ryan's first time on the West Coast, my second. And it was the first time that we uh, went to San Diego Comic-Con. We have been talking about it for the better part of ten years. Like, we've always, like, we've heard of it. We've been following it forever. It's where everything happens in terms of, like, pop culture and comics and movies and television, everything. And we finally got to go. And it was amazing. It was yeah. so much fun. It was something something completely, like, transfixing about it. Because normally, like, the normal person can't... Not, not that we're... You know, whatever. Normal people can't... We're better make, than most people. They can't make the trip all the way over there. And, you know, most of the people, you hear the updates through you know, on your phone, on your computer. And we were there. Yeah, we were there. A lot of times, not... There, no, we not, couldn't get not in. There, there. <laughs> I remember hearing the rumblings of the Wonder Woman trailer yeah. below my feet. Like the, I'm like the, that's cool. The, the building shook. Oh yeah, from the from the applause. Yeah. it was insane. But just to be there um, in that environment with all thousands and thousands and thousands of passionate fans, and you know, the thing that I loved the most about it was how the city comes alive. It, it's insane. Like you went, you both are right, tries again. Lucas has tried and has not actually <laughs> attended, but. You've been to New York uh, yes. a few years now. I've gone... I went like, to New York. Comic-Con? Yeah. You went one year. Okay, so you understand that. All right, so you know that the... It's sick. Yes. Well, you know this, like, it's the Javits Center, right? Yeah. Everything, it, like, completely inside is taken over by New York Comic-Con, but, like, once you step outside, you're in New York. Like, there's nothing really out there happening. And even in recent years, they've tried to do stuff like New York Super Week, which they've changed the title of this year. And, you know, they added events at, like, Hammerstein Ballroom and MSG. They had a huge mm-hmm. Walking Dead event last year. But that is those two places are really, really far from the Javits Center. It's, like, a, a good 10, 15-minute yeah. walk. When you step outside the convention center in San Diego, you're still surrounded by Comic-Con. It's crazy. It literally takes over the entire, like, um, it's engulfed the in gas it. lamp district, which is, like, this awesome place with like all these bars and all these like like installations like HBO and um, USA, uh, Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, um, FX, like everyone. Like, it really like was insane like how it takes over the entire area. Man, we were talking to people like cab drivers and stuff saying like right. that like San Diego Comic Con they get most of like their economy. They they are from, proud of it, yeah. Yeah, like San Diego gets most of like their yearly like it's the cream of the crop co- for that place. economy from the uh, convention. It's insane. Um an absolute delight. We had no problems, no issues. I, nothing. I mean, loved it. Nothing. It was absolutely it, if, if anything we had wonderful. only only good things to say, honestly. Yeah. We we went as press for Pop Break and uh we did some amazing stuff. We had um uh like 
I don't know. Give me, give me some highlights of, of yours. Well, let me... Show. I was going to ask you guys... Oh! Hey, Luke. So I've, moderate, I'm, I'm still here. Uh, <laughs> if you could pick your one favorite thing. Ooh. Because that's, that's always the... That's always... The, that always makes you pick. Like, that. you can yeah. always get lists of everything. What's yeah, your yeah. one favorite thing? One favorite thing. Ryan, go. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Ryan, go. Yeah. Uh, oh, great question, Ryan. So... So much cool shit happened. Uh, panels... Uh... Panels, press coverage, press coverages, is. What about that press coverage that you did where you met that guy? Oh yeah, I think uh, that was so. Uh, very last minute, I managed to slip into the Walking Dead panel coverage press co- press <coughs> press coverage. Al juiced me in. Yes. Uh, and uh, I may have accidentally uh, had a chance to speak with Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who plays Negan in the upcoming season. Um. What a, what a sweet guy. Yeah. What a sweet guy. He was so humble, and he was just, like, so just... Oh, God. That, that, that by far, was... Earlier that day, I met Kevin Conroy, who has voiced Batman for 20-some-odd years, and that was great. And then, literally, an hour later, I got to meet one of my favorite actors, who's been... He's been a comedian. He's been uh, Thomas Wayne now. He's been in... Uh, it's been Denny in uh, Grey's Anatomy. Who could forget that? Um, <laughs> what a what a great guy! I, just a five minute conversation with that guy, and he's the most down to earth guy. Uh, you would never know that he is world famous. It was absolutely mind boggling. Um, that is something that I will definitely remember for years to come. Ah, what about you? You also forgot to mention his. Um breakout role in PS I Love You because <laughs> I always forget he's in that movie because there's apparently only two actors with accents so after they killed off Gerard Butler who of course is in a, another Zack Snyder alum they replaced him with the comedian slash uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan um, I, I mean I wish I wish I could just say the convention was my favorite part um, that's such a basic answer though. very basic honestly that's um, so true I, yeah, a lot of the press stuff was really, like, uh, highlights. I mean, getting to talk to the cast of Archer was really amazing. Uh, the cast of Bob's Burgers was great. Um, i trying to think what other, like, I mean, <laughs> this is how cool San Diego is. So, like, you're, you're walking the convention floor, which is humongous. Um, but I will say less, um, less retail than I thought. Like, New York, there's a huge, huge section of, like, where you can buy stuff. San Diego, there's so much real estate dedicated to, um, like, TV shows and movies and video games and all that stuff, like, their actual companies promoting, that it's actually less on, like, the where you buy shit, which is kind of cool um, and weird at the same time. <laughs> so, walking the convention floor, like, you, you can walk past the Marvel booth and they'll have, like, the entire cast of Guardians of the Galaxy signing. And, like, it's on a big screen and people can see it and it's just a huge crowd gathered. They're not, you know they're not getting anything signed but they're just gathering just to see their favorite actors so walk in the convention floor and i just say "Eh, i'm gonna make a i'm just taking cosplay photos so i'm like "Eh, let me make a a turn down this random aisle i don't know where i'm going still lost it's humongous and all of a sudden i like stopped dead in my tracks i'm like that's Zack snyder and he was just walking the floor no security guards really i think he had maybe a security guard but like very nonchalant, like, no one, like, really saw him, and he was visiting a booth of one of the companies that makes the uh, models and, and uh, toys for his movies, like Batman vs. Superman and Watchmen and all that stuff, and 
I, I had to go up to him because I'm like such a huge fan. So I, I got to take a picture with Zack Snyder, and that was amazing. Uh, it was probably one of my highlights, one hundred percent. I really get to. I actually didn't even get to step in Hall H, which is kind of funny. It's that is so crazy. It's yeah. impossible, honestly. I mean, you you got to go for uh, I think Valerian and Preacher and Preacher. Yeah. I should have went to Preacher. I, I was doing something else at the time, but Hall H. I mean, it's just a giant room. But the thing is, we, me and Ryan, like, we were out, outside the convention and we're watching just this huge line. A huge, when I say huge, I mean it was started the convention and wrapped around all the way in the back by the water and along the, like, I guess it's not a boardwalk, but. Yeah, it's like a. I can't even Along the it. walkway, right where you see the water. Down, 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 down. Huge line. And it's people lined up to get into Hall H the next day. The next day. What's in Hall H? Hall H is where, like, all... The special panels are. And, like, yeah, like, Marvel, DC, uh, Teen Wolf, you know, Supernatural, all the CW stuff, you know, all that kind people of stuff. People wait days for it. Days. It's crazy. Like, to just to be in a room to see all the actors come out from Marvel and stuff people wait like days it's insane and like that was cool to see because new york has nothing like that no nothing you just go try to grab a wristband and then hope for the best that's what you do in new york and it actually is really scary if you think about it it's like you come all this way and you try to like you have to waste a whole night or a day just to get to see to the, see the thing day, you want to yeah. see that's how crazy san diego comic-con is and um i'd love to go back I feel like this year is going to be a little tough, but I'd love to go back. It would be amazing. Well, I will say that based off everything you guys told me, I think I will be coming with you, but not to the convention. I think I'll just hang with your girlfriends and, like... And do what they did. Do what they did. <laughs> just hang out <laughs> that at the sounds, beach. Go to the beach I, I love I love comics. I love movies. I love doing all that stuff. But it seems, like, a bit too much for me. Well, I think you need to do New York first. Do New York. I, I did New York. You I didn't do New York like we do New York. You went one day and you cosplayed and you left. Like you guys got there late, and like not there was a fault. that was not our fault. But still, like you went <laughs> at, like almost a half a day. Always blame the Mecromancer. Yeah, but we went we went five days at San Diego. Yeah, that's insane. Like I think hard. I think I would much. I think what would probably happen is I would if I like get like one day. Ticket. Oh yeah, by day four we're like, Ugh, and then I would just dead. do yeah. the stuff that your girlfriends did. Mm-hmm. Another, that seems like another thing that's different from San Diego to New York, uh, San Diego has a preview night on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Where it op- the convention floor opens at 6, and it used to be, back in the day, it was just for like uh, like VIPs and members of the press and all that stuff. It was just another day. It was packed. Crazy packed. And just like, selling stuff. Yeah. And like, th- like just selling stuff. And they did like, not no, any, no panels or anything, but they did like a, a preview of like some of the shows that are coming this uh, fall. Well, they did that masterpiece, uh, Wonder Woman seventy fifth. Uh... Yeah, it's not talk about that. But anyway, <laughs> um, we had a great time. It was amazing. Um, but yeah, would love to go back. Love to go back. It'd be phenomenal. Well, I would love to go. I like San Diego. I it... Did we invite him? I don't think. We did. I, I feel like he he's inviting he's kind of himself. Invited himself. Yeah, yeah to, well, to hang out with my April girlfriend. Told me I could come. Oh great. Well, <laughs> well, you know. then you're coming. I guess <laughs> it's Man, official. Manny Petty's mimosas with the ladies. That's right. Whatever. Sounds good. Uh, so now on to stuff that I did. Oh, Luke, what did you do? <laughs> what happened in North Jersey what while happened, we were gone? What happened here? So I think we'd like to move on to one of my favorite segments. I saw a film. I thought, it's, I, I thought Lucas saw a thing. 
Well, no, because that that involves TV shows and like. Yeah. So wouldn't that fall into that? Well, it does, but like a subgenre. Oh, uh, I got it. Like like technical swing metal is a subgenre of swing metal, which is a subgenre of metal. I almost fell asleep right there. Lucas Thanks. saw a thing. That's better. I like did that. see a thing. Uh, we all saw a thing together. We did. Yeah. We saw Star Trek. Star Trek Beyond. Star Trek if Beyond. You want to be specific. Um, You're actually really up on your movies. As I have seen more movies in 2016 than I saw in 2014 and 15 combined. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I just and saw, 2016 has been kind of late. I just went. In terms of movies. I saw Woody Allen's uh, Cafe Society. Oh, thank God! That was very good. Woody Allen's new movie, Cafe Society, with with uh, Jesse Eisenberg and I want to see that with Kristen, Kristen Stewart, 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 and um, Michael Scott. James Gunn. Uh, Steve, Steve Carell. Steve Carell. Jesus. I blanked on the name. I did um, want to see that, though. Yeah, it was good. Um, I like but yeah, that. so like Star Trek cast. Beyond. Now, uh, regular listeners of the show <laughs> will know that I... <laughs> you have J.J. Abrams on a personal hit list. J.J. <laughs> and I um, aren't on speaking terms right now. But you like Star um, Wars. I've not spoken to him in many months. He has not spoken to me in many months. You haven't answered uh, his calls. We're on the yeah. outs. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> been answering his calls. Uh, he... He toyed. He's been toying with me, man. The first two Star Wars movies were awful. Um, the second one worse than the first. Or no, sorry, Star Trek. The first two Star Trek movies were awful. The second one worse than the first. Star Wars was. Uh, I really liked the film. I, on second viewing, it was still good, but on third viewing, some of the plot points and dialogue didn't really hold up like I thought they would. Um, but yeah, so JJ and I haven't really been on speaking terms. But Star Trek Beyond came out, and I was like, you know what? Once, twice, three times a lady. Gotta go try it out. <laughs> so we all went, and thought it was pretty good. Yeah, we, we all we all liked it. We yeah. all liked I, it. As far as, as my opinion goes, I, I thought it was a phenomenal film. If you are not a Star Trek fan, and you didn't go see Star Trek Beyond, you're missing out. Because it's just as far as movies go, it was, it was killer. It was such a killer movie. Um, you know, the references to older Trek films weren't didn't take away from your enjoyment. There was a lot of fast-paced action. There was some cool character development. There was a little bit of humor. But for Star Trek fans, the people that I care about and my portion of the review will be, uh, it was pretty good. You know, it's got deep enough references to keep even the most hardcore Trek fans like, oh, okay, I, I know what episode that's from. You know, they reference, like, Big Green Hand from the original series. They reference, you know, a couple of things from... The next generation, such like that. Uh, but yeah, the the in universe lore was great. Simon Pegg took a turn writing this one, right? Yes, he did. Simon Pegg and what Doug Jones or something? Like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, you can really tell that Simon Pegg knows what he's doing. That he is a Star Trek forever. fan. He really took control of that script and turned it into something where I was getting vibes of old school Trek. There was a like, lot of stuff that that he was. Th- I, I noticed a lot of scenes. Like, when they were talking fast, a lot of references were coming at you. Yeah, but it wasn't like... It wasn't in your face. No, because me and Ryan are not Trekkers in any way, uh, outside of the Abrams films, really, and I think probably probably Ryan has seen a couple other older films, but, like, I didn't watch any of the series, and, like, I, like, acknowledge, I'm like, oh, that's a reference from something, but it wasn't, like, like, just beating you over the head with it. It was really, Mm -hmm. really smooth in that sense, but keep going. Yeah, no, I was going to say, they were subtle enough that if you don't understand them, they just pass right over your head, but if Mm -hmm. you got them, it was a cool little nod. Um, I like that this was more of a character-driven film, which is, again, what I think Star Trek actually is. It's It's space is a background for character development and character interaction. Space is not the main action. And 
actually, uh, for the most part, like, really enjoyed it. The dialogue didn't feel, you know, forced. It didn't feel rushed. All the actors did such a great job. Really is a huge fan that Simon Pegg brought back, like, the Bones and Spock interactions from the originals, from, like, the first season of the original series. Um, the combativeness, but mutual respect, but shown through combativeness. Um, I really enjoyed Chris Pine as Kirk, you know, also, I, I, I kind of like Chekhov in this movie, and for reasons other than, of course, the fact that he passed away, the actor passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, there were only a couple of things that I was like a little annoyed about, but I, I think I said after the movie that I don't think they were enough to really take away from my enjoyment. Yeah. And wasn't the, one of the references, or not one of the nods to like the original, was Chekhov uh, says that Russians invented everything? Yeah. Yeah, the the that Russians invented ever. So like one of the things from the original one was that they wanted to have a Russian on the ship to show that in this future, because the show was originally written in the '60s and set well late '60s, early '70s, the height of Cold War tensions. So they wanted to show that in the future, Russians and the Americans would be fine. But that Russians, as a nod to Russian culture, that they still had their like Russian pride, which I thought was great. Um, the Spock Uhura romance was I thought more believable in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the guest stars by the Vulcan High Command were great. Um, I think by only two or three qualms were... I thought the inclusion of Sulu as a gay character was forced. At least I felt it was forced. Al disagrees with me. Um, the ending with the... Uh, <laughs> it was, but I think the conclusion... I mean, we're, we're ahead of spoilers, right? We can... Yeah, spoilers. Yeah. So the, the spoiler is at the end spoiler of the movie, they, there's a swarm of ships that are attacking the space station, um, which I think was only constructed to have a pretty background to destroy it. Um, but yeah, so the swarm of ships, they realize that the swarm can be uh, <laughs> can be displaced and disorganized by short beam, short length, high frequency VF waves, which can be found as emitting from a radio. So they hook up this old radio they find on an NX-class ship from way back in, like, the Star Trek Enterprise Archer days. And they cue up a song, and what is that song? <laughs> Sabotage by the Beastie Boys. Which, if you're a fan of the, you know, of the series, the they use it in the, literally the first few minutes of um, Star Trek, <coughs> the, the, first, uh, the first film. But mm-hmm. the cool thing about it was, and not just off this yeah. point that you're making but the whole film there was no waste in terms of story That's true. plot or anything everything that happened was pre-established everything that happened was for a reason so like having the inclusion of the song being played um that's not only just a nod for the first movie but also because they showed that they had this radio mm-hmm. early early into the film so like it wasn't just like oh what if we use a radio? <laughs> like it was very, uh, you know, everything. There was never a wasted scene. Everything kind of worked, and it it was it falls under the category I think of so campy that it's good. Yes. Also, I realized that by, I think it was McCoy asking Spock, "Is this classical?" And Spock goes, "I believe so," which explains why. Because my one of my criticisms in the first movie was why they still listen to the Beastie Boys three hundred years in the future. Because for some reason they consider it classical music yes. now. Um, but I also see that as a nod. I, I, don't, I wonder, if I ever got to ask J.J. Abrams a question, I would wonder, is it because of Futurama? Because they love the BC Boys in Futurama it, it and be. had them in an episode yeah. at a concert. And, you know, the BC Boys have a song called Intergalactic and all that kind of stuff. And I love the Beastie Boys. Ryan? 
Uh, yeah, no, it was definitely uh, aces across the board for me. I thought it was great. As Al mentioned, like I'm not like a huge Trekkie fan. Uh, I've watched uh, episodes from the old series, from uh, one of the 50 motion pictures that they made. Um, so I'm 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 an I'm I'm a fan. Like um, so, I, I know some backstory. Uh, I thought Simon Pegg did a great job writing it. He did, as we've said, uh, a great job including the history. Um, I thought he did an incredible job giving every every character their moment. Uh, they were smart. They didn't make a bunch of dumb decisions. Uh, everything felt natural and right. Um, pacing in the story I thought was really great. And, yeah, nothing was forced. I think by the book... It's one of the best, one of the best told stories, because nothing comes out of left field. Uh, everything makes sense. Um, I thought the moment with the Beastie Boys was pretty fucking cool. Me too. Uh, I thought I thought that was yeah, not only an ode to the first one, but just just a fun moment, just a fun summer movie moment. Yeah. Um, it did break up the tension of like the last half hour of the film, so that was kind of yeah, nice. yeah. I mean, he had I, I, I think we forgot to mention Idris Elba. Idris Elba is uh, is always villain. yeah, uh, he's always great and everything. I thought it was I, I kind of wished it was like you saw him more a little bit. Like I thought at first I saw the movie twice, so I thought the first time, first view I liked it actually better the second time. First viewing I didn't think he had enough screen time and enough time to explain his reasons against the federation besides kind of like a moment towards the end but then it flows a lot better the second time you see it mm -hmm. uh, i thought he was a great villain yeah um yeah and I, I actually i thought kirk kirk was the best this time around bones had the most had the best material as well because i i thought he was kind of wasted in the second one and even the first one he's a lot like, of characters were yeah i mean like they put too much effort on they Khan. spent so much to establish in the Khan, first one the Khan. second one Focused on Benedict Khan. Um, Benedict Khan of Ash. I, d I definitely think this is the best of the new Trekkies, personally. Yeah, no, I think after we left, I think I, I put it as sixth in my hierarchy of Trek movies, which was. Sounds, <laughs> sounds awful, sounds but, it's terrible. Actually, but it's actually like well, there's pretty so many good films. Yeah, so it's, it's Wrath of Khan, which is the best Star Trek movie. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Uh, Search for Spock, which was Star Trek Three. Uh, Star Trek, the motion picture. Uh, Kim's in at number three. Which is debatable. Well, but it's my list. I'm just saying. Um, like, the first two people will be like, yes, okay. Yes. I like the motion picture. I think that's the, one of the purest Trek films as far as the films go. Um, and then I would go with First Contact as number four. I'd go with Star Trek Nemesis, which is another controversial one, I think, at number five. And then this movie comes in at number six, finishing just ahead of Star Trek Four, otherwise known as The One with the Whales. Um, <laughs> so you don't, you don't like Abrams first star trek no that much at all oh no those two are those two are on the bottom of the list just above star trek 6 the undiscovered country and just under star trek 5 the final frontier and the only reason they beat star trek 6 the undiscovered country is because that movie was so goddamn awful <laughs> <laughs> valid reason no. good reason um, but yeah no i i i really like i, I really did i was i went in with a very neutral perspective, I wanted to like it. I did like it. I'm glad I liked it. I hope Simon Pegg writes the fourth one too. You know, what's a good example that I think highlights the what makes a good Trek film is so the base was established very early on, the star base that will get attacked later, 
and it's established as this big circular stage with artificial gravity and it's like it's not inception style but there's the way that it works is the gravity rotates around the center or the the ship rotates or station i should say rotates around the center which produces and so artificial gravity comes out from the center like a normal planet but the thing is there's no solid structure in the middle it's a base built if you can imagine this imagine a sphere that the base is built inside the out inside the sphere but with all the points facing towards the middle, which is where the gravity is generated from. So at the end of the movie, there's a gravity fight. And they pretty accurately depict gravity gets a little funky when you have like artificially generated gravity all meeting at a point. And so like that whole space station had its own plot and reasons for existing, and then also influenced the end. Like That space station didn't just exist to have a cool gravity fight. That space station existed, and then they said, what if we had a cool gravity fight? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the kind of stuff. I remember you were you were like that really it, praising that. Yeah, like it, good Star Trek films are character films set in the backdrop of the exploration of space, and that's what this was. Everything that existed, like Al said, kind of existed for a reason. Like the the space station was a pivotal part of the movie, and then also allowed the cool ass gravity fight to happen at the end. So I have pretty high marks about this movie. Nice job, Simon Pegg, and um, oh, Some, that director. Oh, Justin Lin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was, I, 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 think, I didn't space. think he was so showy this time around. I think he actually no, was very, very he, like, he, subdued. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he actually kind of was like, okay, but I'm not still gonna, in like, his style, the was, motorcycle chase. Yeah, some of the effects, the end battle with all the ships. Some oh, yeah. things were him. And the rest of it was like, okay, I have to pull it back. I was waiting for the Enterprise to be dragging a safe behind it, and you know. <laughs> if only. <laughs> so I guess keeping with the science fiction theme, we have one more thing. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's actually right. Um, it's already the end of the podcast. Any other updates? Well, there, was, there, was, there was Star Trek Four, but he doesn't know, right? Oh, shit. No, I don't know anything about that, and I'm not going to. Oh. You know already. We told you. You, you I guessed, guessed it. Oh, I, I guessed, guessed it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I was able to guess that. Yeah. So I don't like spoilers. I don't like previews. I really, I avoided the Star Wars previews. I don't like to know about movies before I go watch them. Just watch one 12 minutes ago. But okay, I, it doesn't matter. So <laughs> I normally don't. Rogue One is not a consequential movie for me, and we'll explain later in the next segment. But uh, Star Trek Four. okay, so I didn't want to know anything. But Al said they're bringing a character back. He said, do you want to know who it is? And I said no. And we had seen the movie, <coughs> and I said, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess. I get one guess. If it's right, tell me I'm right. If it's wrong, tell me I'm wrong. And I don't want to know anything else." Okay. Kirk's father. Yes. And it was correct. Yeah. Uh, but so it's set up in the film, actually. It's, it's it's set up. They really they really hint at it. Like really, George George Kirk for being dead is pre- he plays a lot of significance in the third. That's movie. right. <laughs> um, More than he did in the first two movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Which is going to, if they're going to bring him back, there's going to be some bomb-ass time travel shit happening in yeah. the fourth movie. And if Simon Pegg is writing at the helm, oh, Simon, shit. if you're listening, good job, dude. Now, how do you get, the good now uh, the one thing we forgot to mention, because we're just never leaving the subject, is uh, they did um, actual Leonard Nimoy's death, They because he is technically in their universe. Right. They did it really well. I thought it was great how they did it. Mm-hmm. It was very, con- like a very quiet kind of moment. It was a side moment. note. Yeah. It was not a, but it was not played off just like, ah, oh, this happened. It was very like, it was very touching. It, it worked into not Spock's like story. Not death and independence. Correct. Too. How are they going to do... Did you see that? Yeah. Oh, God. I know. How are they going to do... Later. What's it called? Um, Chekhov's death. 
Well, so there's a number of things you could potentially do. It depends on how much, I think, extra footage they have of him. Do you think they're going to make him die in a battle in the beginning? I think they kind of have to. I or, think, or they can start off with a funeral. They they can do that, and I think and that would get, both of those options I mean, are equally viable. Abrams said he wasn't recasting them. It's true. Ready? Pitching it. Pitch it right now. You ready for this, guys? Mm-hmm. Do it. All right. Movie starts off. <laughs> I Safe. It, Goes through. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Takes him out. So, movie starts off with um, a scene at a graveyard. It's a funeral. It's Chekhov's funeral, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone's there. Um, Kirk says some nice words. And um, you're hearing Kirk. Like, you, you see everybody. Everyone's crying, blah, blah, blah. And then you, you, they pan to Kirk, and then you see Kirk start talking. And then it pans... Um, it pans to like a you know the picture giant picture of Chekhov. While the, that ends, they leave. They start leaving. Like everyone starts leaving, right? Mm. And going to the party or whatever after, and then the party. You know what I mean. Yeah. So Kirk walks by, passes his grave of his father. All right. Mm-hmm. Stops, sees it. Stays there. Uh, a whore comes up, like cons- consoles him <laughs> a, or whatever. A whore? A whore. <laughs> a whore, duh. A whore. Thank you. Thank you. A whore comes up, consoles him, whatever, and they walk away. All of a sudden, hand pops out. <laughs> out of the dirt. Giant's fist. It's Mulginori. <laughs> <laughs> and Muramir comes in, goes into his hand, and he flies out of there because he's fucking Thor. Because George Kirk is... Yes. Yeah. Um, so, in the real world... Cut the check. <laughs> I'm out of this bitch. What they could probably do is have a funeral scene in the beginning... Um, they could also, if they have enough footage, they could reshoot something around some of that, that chase battle footage. But I think probably the best thing to do is to just start with the funeral. He died. He's dead. You don't need to go into it. Everybody knows you what think, happened in real you life. You think they'll yeah. do Fast and Furious uh, Fast 7, 7 style? style. Where, yeah. where the villain killed Chekhov or something? Yep. Yeah, and then, um, what's it called? Uh, Wiz Khalifa and Charlie Puth start playing. Okay. Come on. Yeah, they'll they'll, they'll do the thing where they, they say I wasn't some, sure what song you were talking about. They say about some nice words it. about him, and then they give him a send off, and then it doesn't even have to be really related to the plot. Yeah, everybody all, starts crying. No, we all know what happened. You don't have to yeah. make it related to the plot. They just all pour True. vodka on his grave. And well, they didn't make it to the plot. Not really, yeah. kind of, but not kind of, not really. All right, moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing. I guess more movie stuff. Um, you already said, kind of ruined it. What what we're gonna talk about? Star Wars. Yes. So, um, <laughs> currently, um, there is a thing happening right now in the world. Uh, everyone's in Rio. We're giving a shit about Rio right now because it's the Olympics, uh, which is basically just a... Uh, oh, we're kicking ass. U.S., we man. Do, we do every time. We really always This win. is not a surprise to I, me. I, I just um, feel like Phelps, this year it's... Phelps, who is uh, part dolphin, has uh, won, <laughs> I think, 68 gold medals in the last two days or something. 22. A uh, total of 22. <laughs> also, of note, which is great this year, the U.S. won its first gold medal at the Rio Olympics in shooting. I saw that. Yeah. And it was uh, pretty awesome, too. Yeah, she did a great job. She's just like, I'm really stoked to be here. And they just fired a bunch of guns in the air and walked away. We actually had... They um, got John Wick on. One of... I mean, if it's not swimming, the other big sport is gymnastics mm-hmm. for the U.S. And uh, one of the can, uh, one of the participants, or whatever, the athletes... Olympian? Uh, shut up. Uh, it's from Old Bridge. 
Really? Yeah. Yeah, heard that. That's yeah. a town in New Jersey. It is a town in New Jersey. Yeah. Kind of close to us, too. Yeah. But, yeah. So, right now... That kind of makes us Olympians. By, by default. By, by, by association. Default. Yeah. yeah. By association. Um, yeah, so right now the Olympics happening, and of course, um, just like any other major sporting event, it's a good time to promote something, <laughs> yeah. um, and of, out of everything that they've decided to promote, um, they chose uh, Star Wars Rogue One, and to show off the second trailer. Um, first trailer, pretty awesome, it's like a very, very well-made teaser trailer. Yeah. I don't think Disney or any of the Disney properties are bad at making trailers. Sure. Um, the other take some notes other, DC the other side is really bad at it yeah. in terms of oh actually going off that oh, yeah. really just Batman vs Superman because Suicide Squad trailers were like each one was better than the next like the the one with but none of them accurately reflected the movie no but the Bohemian Rhapsody <laughs> like the Bohemian Rhapsody trailer should have just been the movie apparently <laughs> is what, mm. what, what, what we're hearing but that's neither here nor there. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so they showed off the um, Rogue One trailer at like like, a, like ten or eleven at night. It was such with the internet, it doesn't matter. You're still had, correct. Still had fifty we had billion. To, we views first had by to midnight. watch Phelps literally destroy the competition. Dolphin punch that one guy. Yeah, he dolphin punched him right in the face. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> that's what dolphins do, dude. There was a guy fencing today. Yeah, I, I loved it. He was fencing today. And his phone fell out of his pocket mid-fence. Why do you have his phone when he's at an Olympic event? Well, I went to ask him, Take a selfie. but he didn't hear me through the TV. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> so, um, Lucas, as our resident star expert, which is your new title, um, what did you think of the trailer? It was good. All right. <laughs> That's going to do That's it good. for <laughs> this episode. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it's going to be a, a good film. I have... A few Qualms. issues with it. I'll I'll go in order of least of my issues to most of my issues. Number one, um, one of seventy eight. Uh, the dialogue feels a little stilted, but that just could be the trailer cut. Trailer so like I'm I'm willing to ignore that for now. Um, two, I really don't like Forrest Whitaker's character already. Yeah, but from the three seconds that you've seen him. Yeah. Wow. I I don't know. Wow. Quick to judge. Yeah. Um, number three, I suppose, cool. is... Okay, so this is a prequel. This is going to be the story of how Rogue Squadron stole the plans for the Death Star and delivered them to Princess Leia, who was supposed to deliver them to the Rebels in Episode 4. So it's supposed to be a bridge between Episode 3 and 4. Yeah. They cast a new guy for Grand Moff Tarkin. Badass. Killer. Awesome. Um, I don't necessarily agree with the inclusion of Darth Vader in this movie. You feel like it's just kind of forced? Just I, for... I feel like it's forced, and I feel like it's a bad idea in terms of the plot. So what you're doing is you have a couple of main characters who have to be there. Admiral Tar- or Grand Moff Tarkin, I suppose, um, has to be there. He's in, he's in command of the Death Star. Mon Mothma has to be there. She's in command of the Rebellion. But the thing about Darth Vader is Darth Vader's not really in command of anything. And any time you see Darth Vader you know he's going to win. So if Darth Vader goes head-to-head against the new badass blind Jedi character, who's going to win? The answer is Darth Vader, for those of you not. This is a common response. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't rhetorical? No. (laughs) If if Darth Vader goes up in a lightsaber fight against whoever this girl is going to be... Guy? uh, No, no, no. The the girl, the main girl. She's not a Jedi. No, I didn't say she was a Jedi. I said she's the girl. The Jedi, separate point, period, space, new paragraph... (laughs) 
if Darth Vader goes up against his main character, who's a girl... He's going to fuck shit up. Yeah, so anytime you see Vader go up against a character, there's either the main character... The character's either going to run away or Darth Vader's going to kill him. So I, I think that including Darth Vader in this movie... Now, to be fair, he may only show up once. Okay. Great. You throw throw the fans a bone, whatever. That's what but I think if, it's going to be. if he has any major involvement in reference to an actual character in the film, I think it's going to take away from the movie because you know what's going to happen. Okay. Technically not a spoiler since this is a prequel and we technically know what the outcome is. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we don't know any of like, the character dynamics or all that kind of stuff. I did not come up with this theory. This was, uh, I'm going to give credit to the person, uh, Mark Bernardin from the Fat Man on Batman podcast with Kevin Smith. Uh, love that podcast, and both of those people are awesome. Yes. Ryan knows this to be true as well. So they're talking about Rogue One pre this trailer. Talking about just the original Rogue One trailer. Mm-hmm. And do you remember at the end of the first Rogue One trailer? No. Okay. It's it's the main girl, she's doing the voiceover, mm-hmm. and you see her... Oh, as the Imperial Soldier. Correct. But where is she in that in that scenario? She is in the... She looks like she's about to pilot something. Well, she's either going into a TIE fighter, or she's in one of those chambers on Bespin. Okay, so say she's in a TIE fighter. Okay. What happened in A New Hope? At the end. Oh, I see where they're going with that. I think that's a stretch. Right, okay, so... But how kind of cool is that? Oh, yeah, so what, what Al is getting at, and I suppose with this gentleman from Fat Man, Batman is also Batman getting Batman, all Batman. Okay. <laughs> um, is that this character got so deep... So his, I guess, uh, proposition is that this character, this main female character, gets so far into her uh, Imperial character, so in deep cover that she becomes a TIE fighter pilot... And joins the ranks inside the fighter squadron, the Death Star. Is one of the pilots that Vader chose to lead his personal t- uh, defense squadron down the trench to fight Luke Skywalker. When he locks onto Luke Skywalker at the end of Episode Four, Han Solo yeehaws and shoots one of the Tie Fighters. Now, in that scene, the Tie Fighter on the stage left is destroyed, and then the center Tie Fighter careens away into the other Tie Fighter, knocking. Knocking Vader, yeah, destroying the TIE fighters that are guarding Vader and also knocking Vader out of the trench, spiraling away from the Death Star, which is going to explode. Correct. Um, The reason I disagree, I guess this is technically Legends now, that the Emperor and the Empire have a distinctive bias against women and non humans. Wearing a helmet. How are you? uh, No. You're wearing a helmet. No. You're, I don't. I don't think you. I don't think you get. You do not to be. You do not get to. Oh, okay, so you're thinking way too deep. Here's my that. two things. He's the one who came up with the theory. Who? <laughs> the guy from the Batman podcast. No, I'm saying you're thinking too deep when it's in terms of the, the female. Oh, okay, non-humans. so then I'll back out of legends because that's okay. technically legends now. Correct. I, I, what I'll go ahead and say is that Vader is not known for having such a um, discriminatory attitude, and neither is the Emperor. Because the Emperor had a female bodyguard, Mara Jade, who in the Legends marries Luke Skywalker and then is killed by Han and Leia's kid. Um, Legends. Legends. Not canon anymore. Not helpful. Um, so, but they're, they're pulling stuff from the non-canon because they pulled the HK-47 droid from KOTOR, 
Knights of the Old Republic, the video game, which Obviously is the story. So, okay, so here's my thing. On that theory, I don't think there's enough to substantiate it, and I also don't think they're going to go that route. But if they do, how cool would that be? I don't think I would care for that. Why? If it makes sense, honestly, I, she goes in deep think, cover. It, uh, it explains it, and it can link. Mm, it can link them. I don't think it makes sense. I think if she does, and I think you're thinking a little too deep into it. No, I, I think because if she wanted to, if Vader trusted her enough to put her in his personal Tie Fighter Defense Squadron and have her fly behind him, why would she wait to knock him out of course when she could just shoot him from behind? Because. Why because would I know that? Well, it's I know plot. that. That's why you have me here. But it's plot. So, and oh no, story. you started this because you... I didn't start it. I heard a theory. I thought it was okay. cool. I presented it to you. Gentlemen, you had to be a dick. Now addressing <laughs> the gentleman from Fat Man, Batman. Batman on Batman, <laughs> you motherfucker. Um, I think I like where you're going. I like the inventiveness. I like the creativity. However, I think that it's a weak theory. And even if you're right. I think I would be disappointed in that sort of prequel revisionism. But it's I'm, not revising. It's it not is. revising. Technically, it's the thing that happened. It's just giving you uh, a, a figure of the person but it, that it's, happened. it's revisionism for the sake of linking films. It's the same thing that George Lucas it's did in the prequels. It's a prequel. Okay, so it's the same That's thing. That's the George, whole point. It's the same thing that George no, Lucas George did George in Lucas these made prequels. up. These things happened in the sense of, like, New Hope happened already, right? But, so, but it's changing the... Here's the thing. It's not changing. It's, you don't know the person that's in the pilot. You don't know the pilot. You don't so have, you, know, you don't have to know. What happened but is it just links Han the Solo person. shot the ship. The explosion okay. caused the pilot to look this way and jerk his control stick into Vader's fighter. That is what happened. That doesn't require any sort of heroism because then what it does is it changes the events of that film. Okay. Because then what, what that – because that doesn't make any sense. Why would she – okay, so let's assume this is true. Yeah. It's not, but let's just assume it's true. Why would she point wait of a theory. for that particular... It doesn't make any sense. He's wrong. Okay. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's my theory. That's my, a theory. My theory is that that scene is from the, from the end of the movie, yes, but I think it's going to lead into one of the other middle of the... Some other film that will be expanded upon later. Oh, you're saying... Now, you're saying Rogue One is not going to directly lead into A New Hope. I'm saying Rogue One is going to lead into A New Hope, as in it's going to bridge some of the events, but I think some of the smaller characters from Rogue One may eventually branch off into a Rogue Squadron mini set of movies. So you know how they're making all these weird, and like, not weird, but they're making all these bridge movies? So they're doing like an episode seven and then a, a, a yeah, bridge movie. Day. The, yeah, okay. So, yeah. so they're doing uh, they're doing a young Han Solo movie. They're probably going to end up doing a Boba Fett movie because they kind of have to. But somewhere down the line, there is a huge expanded universe now. Legends uh, trove. Of, there's a whole great book series called Rogue Rogue Leader Rogue Squadron, and it's all these books about the exploits of Rogue Squadron, which even from the movie is super like super famous. Like that's. That's what Luke was in. That's what Wedge Antilles was leading. That's a big Starkwriter led before he was unfortunately killed in Episode Four. So I think what it's what that might lead into is that might lead into further Rogue Squadron movies, and that is something that I think I would like to see. Because the nice thing about I, I don't want to keep interrupting you. I just want to finish my one thing. Um, the <laughs> nice thing about introducing all these new characters is that they're not tied to the main event. You can have stuff that ties into the main event as you should, but. You can cre- you create all these new characters. You can still surprise people. Mm-hmm. 
you can kill that girl at the end of the movie. I'll be totally shocked because she's not in any of these main movies. I have no idea what's going to happen to her. And that's one of the reasons why I think, again, Vader's a bad idea because then it introduces something that we already know. So I think if we... She can stay as an Imperial fighter at the end of this movie. Like, if that's, if that's how she is, I hope that they then use that to make new lore. Because when they created these expanded... When they created these movies, they got rid of almost four decades of expanded universe material including books that George Lucas has sanctioned as official canon which are now no longer canon mm -hmm. so now they have almost an obligation to replace that very rich history of the Star Wars universe okay. and I think that they would make a mistake by creating a character and giving her a whole movie and then just making her a pilot that dies in episode four that's Will Smithing her I think what if they're going to take the time to build a character and do a good job with her then they should continue to put that plot in the side films completely understandable completely disagree but i completely understand in the sense that i think you think they're it's all just going to tie off in episode four not to the extent of uh, bernardin's theory but but something along the lines i think i think they um yeah the mentality is to franchise and to, to use this character and all that kind of stuff but at the same time they already have a track of like the things they want to do this is a prequel to a new hope mm -hmm. we already have three of those I don't think they're going to make three more. Like, you don't understand well, no. what I'm saying? Yeah, but, but here's the thing. So, between episodes three and four, there is a 20-year gap. Yeah. Between episodes four and five... But look, this looks like it's showing a, you the struggle of that 20-year gap. gap. Right, so... Okay, but the remember that... And this looks like the end of that gap. They're right, so it's the far. end. So, yeah. if, if this girl is young enough, then she could theoretically exist throughout the universe. Correct. Throughout the rest of the films. We understand that, but... Like you said, even when they did not include... Like, say they did not include Darth Vader at the end of that. Mm -hmm. They did include the Death Star, which was basically 100% fully complete. Yes. Well, it is, because we see it in episode four. Correct. So, if so facto, mm -hmm. we are already know where we are in right. the sense of where we are in the universe. So, it looks like it's leading directly... Because the whole point is they're stealing the plans to the Death Star mm -hmm. so they can give it to Leia. Mm -hmm. Whatever. We are at that end, so this is going to be a soul, a standalone movie. Whereas maybe the Han Solo stuff, you can make uh, a trilogy or a sequel or whatever, because they're starting at one point of young Han Solo, and they can show more adventures of him. This, it's pre-established of what event is taking place. Mm -hmm. If the girl does not die at the end, and or is not a direct involvement in going into a new hope, then it makes no sense. I understand your point. It doesn't. It doesn't have. Not all the loose ends have to get tied up, though. Correct. But I understand your point in the sense of like, why would you just, like establish all these characters and then just kill them off the end? I kind of like that idea because that's pretty sweet. It's it's like it is a standalone Star Wars film. It has a beginning. It has an end, and it leads to something else that happened in the universe. And then on top of that, I think you were saying though, it's not going to be like you build her up, build all these characters up, then it's a meaningless in like episode. No, four. because that's what movies are. It's like, yeah, but like movies that are like, uh, I don't know, No Country for Old Men. There's no sequel. There's no need for a sequel. There's a beginning, it has established the characters, and then there's an end, and then everything ends. Nothing, not, not everything has to be a franchise, but on the other hand of that, you can do something um, really different, and apparently they're in talks of making a Star Wars television series whether it be a streamable one or one that's on ABC because Disney owns everything. They were talking about that. But so it could be the 
continuing adventures of the Rogue Squadron or the Rogue anything. Squadron would be perfect for well, a TV show. Seriously, that would be really cool. But what I'm saying in this, I really think it's cut and dry. It's not going to be like, uh, like there has to be an ending because it has to lead directly into a new hope. Because that's the whole point. We we it's especially with Darth Vader's inclusion, it has to be leading directly into that because we already see the completed Death Star, um, whatever her name is. Um, I forget already. I no, the, the tall one. Mon Mothma? Yeah, like, we know her and we know the, the general and all that kind of stuff. Like, that's not like, we're not seeing 20 years before the events of New Hope. We're seeing, like, 20 minutes before. Yeah. So it's very, like, there's no point of, like, making this a two-parter because we know the fucking ending. We know it. I just, and I, I will still disagree with you because I think if you, you don't necessarily have to make it a two-parter. But if, if, if the movie is cut and dry, then to me, it's useless. It's not useless. It's showing you the, the, the cool fucking event that took place. Wrap it up. <laughs> yes, but it took, it, it took the, it's the cool event. Like, they, the, Empire, the, sorry, the Empire builds this planet <coughs> space station. They build a Death small Star. Small moon. Small moon. They build this huge small moon uh, <laughs> Death Star, right? They are in full power. How does this band of rebels steal the plans to destroy that by, by shooting a fucking, uh, like, target? A very small target, but nonetheless... It's only two meters wide. It's only two meters wide. So... Which is ridiculous. There's people no... used to hit bullseye womp rats their T-16 yeah, back <laughs> home, and they were no bigger than two meters. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you for that, you giant nerd. So, <laughs> so that awesome thing was just talked about for a second in a film that came out like 30 years ago, 40 years ago, whatever. So like it's really awesome that they're going to expect like they're going to show you the event that took place to get those plans. Why is that a waste? Because I think if you're going to if you're going to kill all the characters, let's say you create these characters, you Even give them if they survive, what's the point? So but the thing is if so here's my thing. Here's if if you kill all the characters and then you tie up all the loose ends at the end of the movie, then you could have taken that movie and condensed it to 15 minutes and stuck it in front of some other movie. That's what I'm saying. If you but don't, if you minutes. don't build something, well, if you don't build characters that can be useful in other things, then there's no point of including them at all because it's supposed to be a universe. That's the whole point. These movies in between are supposed to but, enrich the universe. But, but the, the universe, universe, has, the universe be... has different pieces though. So this is just a little piece. Right. So I'm saying there. so some characters can die, some characters cannot die. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. What I'm saying is if they if they go with what I think you're saying, which is like it's a cut and dry movie, people who are supposed to die die and then all the people who live live for specific reasons in the artist that was 4 5 6 and that's the end of it and all the things are tied up with a nice neat bow. I think that's a mistake and a waste of time. Well, there's no nice neat bow because the like the general and Grand Moff Tarkin, Grand Moff Tarkin, and then whatever her name is, Mon Mothma. Yeah, we know those people. Those people appear in other films. Mm -hmm. So, but they don't interact with anybody because they're leaders from a distance, really. Correct. But now you're seeing the expansion of that. Mm -hmm. There you go. Yeah, answered your problem. Yes. But no, because when I'm when I, I think I'm, we're you're talking we're, about we're just the new close. Well, I think we're very close okay. to it. There's like a small thing. Great. Um, I think the small thing is just that Mon Mothma and Grand Moff Tarkin are necessary for this movie to make sense because they are main characters. They are the thing, but they never actually interact with each other, and they never interact with any uh, like m main elements because they're on their ships and they they have their screens and they do their thing. They're the big strat, the big strategists. Okay. But if you were so, let, let's for example. Forrest Whitaker's character is killed in the first three minutes. Um, 
The blind, Unlikely, but okay. The blind Jedi guy also dies. Vader sure. kills him. Um, Mon Mothma survives because she has to. Um, the, the dude who hangs out with the girl, um, let's say that uh, he dies. He sacrifices himself to save her, and then she sacrifices herself to get the plans into Princess Leia's hands in order to get them into the arc, to, to take them back to Alderaan, and then you have the events of Episode Four. The girl stays behind. She becomes an Imperial pilot. That Imperial pilot is the reason that Vader spins off and does the screaming thing, or not the screaming thing, the heavy breathing thing in Episode Four. To me, what that feels like is that feels like a cop out, because it's almost like saying it, it's almost like a reboot. But like a one issue reboot in comics if that makes any sense it's like rebooting an entire thing for one issue and then stopping the reboot it's like saying we can do whatever we want and it doesn't matter because at the end of the day they're all dead or fitting into existing plot points so they don't actually have to be careful with what they do they can do whatever they want and i think that might lead that has the potential to be to lead to lazy writing or a, a sense and i know i would already have this this feeling of like you walk out of that film, and you th you think to yourself, "I really didn't. That movie didn't really need to be made, because none of the characters are important enough to have been their own thing. Like because it takes a certain amount of skill to weave a new character into an existing universe in a substantial way, because it does, you don't have to have." a female character that spends two two hours and ten minutes, whatever the runtime is, on screen building her up only to have her be the fighter pilot that knocks Vader off course. You can make some half-brain-dead monkey do that in the, the pilot academy, show him for five minutes, he gets in the thing, and they say, oh, you're having a trouble when you chips explode next to you. And he's like, oh, no, I'll be fine. And then he goes up, and that's the end of it. So that's the thing, that when you have a character that has a predetermined fate, then they should either be a minor character or don't put any time into developing them. Mon Mothma lives, so you can develop a little couple of things here. I feel like she won't be in it a lot. Grand Moff Tarkin, same deal. Doesn't need to be developed because we already know what his... He's in, He's arrogant, he's, you know, old, he's... Uh, what the hell was his name? Peter Cushing. He's, he's arrogant, he's old, he's Peter Cushing, who was in Doctor Who. He played the Doctor Who. He played Doctor Who in one of the weird specials, but that's an aside. So if you have characters that already have a predetermined fate, then you you have to either not spend not waste time on them because we already know what they're doing mm -hmm. or they have to be minor enough where they get a little bit of plot development but we don't waste the time on them at all if you're going to spend time on a major character don't make them just be a lackey to move some other plot point along okay do you get what i'm saying i do but at the same time with a comic analogy say watching episode four a new hope mm -hmm. was like you starting at issue two of a comic and you missed the whole issue. That's Rogue One. You watching Winter Soldier, right? And mm -hmm. you got a complete story out of that. You didn't need to see what came before, mm -hmm. nor did you need to see what came after, mm -hmm. but you got a complete story out of it, correct? Yeah. Right? But the, I think the small difference is when Star Wars came out, it was called The Star Wars. There was no Star Wars Episode Four. There Initially, was just The Star Wars. Correct. And then what happened was... George Lucas wasn't sure if the studio was going to pick up on any, on the rest of the story, so he commissioned an author to write a low-cost sequel in the form of a book, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which features Luke and Leia but no Han Solo because Harrison Ford had been too expensive. 
And so this book was the unofficial sequel that then bits and pieces of it were taken and made into episode five when they greenlit it and actually gave it a budget. So Star Wars episode four can be viewed as a complete film. It has a beginning and it has an end. It has just enough story to get you through the main points. It introduces you to the Jedi, to the lightsaber, to the Empire, to the Rebellion. It introduces you to the Death Star and all the technology involved in that. Right. It introduces you to your main characters enough to get you along. And then it ends the movie with the medal ceremony. The Rebellion has won. The Empire is theoretically vanquished. Oh, no. In the fifth movie, as it turns the out... the Empire's won? No, the Empire's vanquished. Okay. Oh, but then episode five gets greenlit, and now we can tell more of the story. Oh, no. It turns out the Empire comes back. Like... I don't expect Rogue Squad. They strike I, back. They strike back. I don't expect this movie to stand on its own. I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily count it against it if it doesn't. What I'm saying is this can't be one of the, those movies where everything's tied. Like Episode Four can be viewed in its entirety as a nice, neat package. It's done. There's nothing else. If you just watched Episode Four, you have viewed a space opera in its entirety from beginning to end. It has the the, the tragic hero, or it has a hero who doesn't know about his powers. It's the hero's who meets, journey. Yes. So Joseph the, Campbell. Yeah, so if you don't know what the hero's journey is, look it up. Um, but that's a, that's a nice, neat package, and then everything else expands around it. So what I'm saying is if you make this movie a nice, neat package, you're missing out on a huge opportunity to add a lot of lore and interesting tangents that can be picked up later or not. You don't have to pick it up later. Like, some of the things we explore in, in 4, 5, and 6 aren't picked up later. Like, Bespin, you never go back. They spend all that time on Bespin. They never go back. Mm-hmm. But Unless, why, why do you think this wouldn't be that? Why do you think this would not be no, a movie? So this, this, like, I don't understand like your arguments in this. It doesn't make any sense. What I'm trying to explain, and what I think I've spent, and we, we've spent, or what I've spent at least, is that I don't want this movie to just exist as a vessel for the other movies to exist. But the movies exist already. It I, doesn't need to be. Like I want. That. The, I want this movie he wants to this be. One to, I to want mean this movie. Something. Yeah, it should stand on its own, but it has a purpose. It is literally the prequel yes. to. But what I'm saying is I want the individual ago. characters. If I'm going to watch a character-driven film, I want the characters to be either... Don't use them again. Use them again. But don't just wrap it up and be done with it. Mm-hmm. Leave... Let's let's talk to a character for half an hour and never find out what happens to him. I'm fine with that. I'm sure no one's... I'm not... I'm you know? sure not whole, I just don't want it to be this, the like... the whole cast is going to die go. at the end. <laughs> I understand, but, like, I, I think they know enough <laughs> at this point that it only makes sense to leave things open-ended... Uh, kids are going to see this movie. I don't think they're going to be like, "Hey, my favorite robot!" Uh-huh. Like, like not everyone's <laughs> going to die, and yeah. they're going to leave it hey, open. Hey, here's C3PO getting ripped up the butt by AK47. <laughs> oh my god, that was a Ryan joke. I don't know where that came from. I know, seriously. It's because you're hungry. Yeah, I'm hungry. You're hungry. I'm not. Actually, I'm not even that hungry. I just really want chicken and egg. You yeah. ain't the same when you're hungry. And on that note. And on that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> a little bit of editing. Jeez, an hour and six minutes. Good episode. The last forty minutes Solid. was you guys talking. Wait, no, but you're wrong. No, but you're wrong. What was the first thirty-six Wait, minutes? Right, you're, you're still here. Yeah, I fell asleep. I woke back up. That's amazing. Uh, well, uh, if you're this, still with us, if you're still with us, that was interesting. That was that was interesting. That was a good I, answer. I mean, I think. It's I'd want to listen to us. Yeah, I'd listen to us. I'd definitely listen to us. I uh, fuck would you. you listen to us? I'd listen to us so hard. hard. <laughs> um, well, that's going to wrap it up for another episode of News Over Brews. We promise that there'll be more of these, but we're not keeping that promise in any way. <laughs> we're going to pull Don Mazzetti. Yeah. New podcast every week sometimes. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. So, uh, um, I'm Al Matarino, and I just got engaged. And I'm Ryan DeMarco, and I'm moving the fuck out. I'm Lucas Jones, and I'm not doing either of those things. That's lame.
Sucks. <laughs> well, I, I'm not getting engaged, and I'm not at theoretically moving out right now. Wow. So I'm just kind of... You, head, sucks. you headbutted a trunk today. Oh, right? shit. Yeah, I headbutted a trunk. I'm going for Jon Snow. Um, growing the hair out. I'm moved to the north. I'm growing the hair out, and I will die and become a good In the day of uh, Yes. His daddy's very good. Great, great, great way to end it. <laughs> spoiler, <laughs> spoiler. Everybody in the world has watched it. No, okay. they haven't. I know they haven't, man. 